Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there, ladies and gents. Are you ready to rock? Welcome to Goonies World. I'm Ryan, also known as Mean. And joining me remotely once again are Sean, also known as Johnny Pharaoh. Who gets cheap trick references and appreciates them. <laughs> I thought you might. And uh, Colin, also known as Goonie. Hi. You didn't get the cheap trick reference. I'm taking it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So, somebody listening out there will and I and will appreciate it, I, I hope. And if you do, if you are that person, send us an email or, or, or tweet at us or, 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 or do something. Give us five stars. Yeah, yes. give us five <laughs> stars for the cheap trick reference. I think, mm-hmm. it's, I think we've earned it. Robin Zander, if you're listening, we would like you to be a guest on our broadcast. <laughs> You know what? Not Robin. Who'd be more fun? Rick would be a little more fun, I think, as a role player. So maybe Rick, if you're listening, we'd like you to be on our on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. And then we can then we can jam. We could jam. We're accomplished musicians ourselves, but we won't get into that. I don't know, but <laughs> experienced anyway. So well, at least the um, equipment yeah, that you guys had from being musicians is what got us started as podcasters. So. <laughs> That's true, but accomplished musicians, you're right, is not the right word. Experience, though, works for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, once again, we join uh, Chip and Plunger and Dickie in the uh, in Plunger's grandmother's attached garage, where they are enjoying a short break from their Druids of Dragonsdale game, uh, having some marshmallow fluff and uh, hanging out and cracking jokes as you do um yeah and it's a friday night you know they're all spending the night tonight they got some john carpenter movies to watch later and so yeah, yeah. and it's um i mean it's getting kind of late i would imagine um i mean they've been up playing for you know if you and i'm assuming i mean as when you're this age and you're and you're playing these kinds of games that like a sleepover or whatever i mean you're probably staying up until Two, three, four in the morning, you know, barely yeah. getting sleep. Yeah, yeah. Everybody just falls asleep during the first John Carpenter movie because they're they're all stuffed on junk food and they've been they're brain weary from too many hours of Druids of Dragondale. Right. So I, I'm assuming they've been playing for a while, and um, you know, it's it's getting uh, a little bit late, and uh, you hear. Uh, the sound of a couple of vehicles pulling up um, outside the garage. And um, what's this? Is it the government? I've, I've been expecting them for decades. I have protocols that I need to put into action. Quick, go out, go unplug the Commodore 64. Uh, well, let's just wait. I've got my binocs. Check well, it out. The garage door, uh, you don't need the binocs. Uh, for, for long because the garage door uh, flies open and you see the bitchin Camaro and uh, um, a van um, and uh, Derek has opened the garage door and he kind of waves and says hey dude uh, just gotta unload the van here um, we thought you were a government spook <laughs> no no not this time you know, I thought you guys were going to be, I thought we had the youth of, uh, you're not going to be coming back here to practice, right? You're just unloading and then. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to practice this late. No, no, no. We get the cops called on us for sure. But, uh, but no, actually, we just, uh, 
we just finished a finished a show in Sacramento and figured we'd drive back to town to go to bed. Good show. Yeah. Did you get paid a lot, like thirty bucks, like you did last time you drove to Sacramento. Uh, we actually made like 120, so it's that's Whoa. pretty good. Wow. 120 dollars. Wow, you guys are like rock stars. Well, we try, dude. So anyway, uh, we're just gonna be uh, unloading some equipment in here for a few minutes. Yeah. So, we'll ha- we're gonna have a, a demo tape for you to pass around to all your buddies. So just well, uh, be on the lookout for that. Don't don't, don't worry about what he's saying. If it's, it's nothing. You know, you guys helped us record that background music we're going to use because we're recording our game and I'm going to make some loops. He's, right. he's thanking you for that. Or he's, he's, he's saying we should slip that into your demo tapes and that somehow, you know, the Southern California record company you'll be courting will uh, think that our loop music is right up there with the Dick Kennedy's. And Oh, well, right on, you know. I mean, that's cool. Well, I, I seriously doubt. I, I have some ethical concerns about it. Uh see myself as more of a film score composer and just don't want worlds to collide yeah I'm not, right. a, not a rock and roll guy yeah right on dudes well um anyway just carry on you know uh, whatever you're doing playing your little game and stuff we won't uh, we'll try not to bother you too much yeah, yeah. i'm winning at it <laughs> so i'll just get back to it there's no real winning at uh Droids of dragon deal by the way you guys he's my brother and i love him but you notice that condescending tone and he's like your little game. He's never really, never really seen eye to eye with that guy. I mean, it's really cool. Believe me, it really helps growing up with him because do you realize how many vicious beatings I would have had by now if uh, Derek was not my brother? But nevertheless, this is a highly sophisticated open format game that should not be referred to as a little game. There's nothing little about it. But I do think we should go ahead and continue if that's okay with you guys. Uh, okay so episode two yeah part two okay i'm gonna go ahead and start recording it right now Welcome to Dickie's World. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Like we'd ever name the whole show after you. Like that would just well, never happen. Uh, I did have uh, the idea, and I'm sorry that you weren't a part of it. Well, I don't think that we should call the show Dickie's World. I think about, that about uh, uh, chips. Uh, 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 I can't think of anything that rhymes with chip. Uh, chip. Well, trip. Uh, Chip's trip. Chip's then trip. that's uh, going to be a hard no. Then uh, I won't do it. Well, as you can tell, listeners, we don't have an official name for a broadcast yet. I think we should call it for now the Druids of Dragondale or Doddcast that uh, we were recording here on our cassette tape players, and uh, we're. And we're However, cast, casting it out in the to the world like a spell. Hopefully, some of you got some of the copies that we made of the last episode, uh, and uh, might have heard it. So you can go back and listen to it to recap. But 
Um, our two heroes in our fantasy world of the Joys of Dragondale, we have a pugilist who is a, a powerful fighter named Mike Tyson. Who is Mike being, Tyson. Mike Tyson. He's being played by uh, Chip. And then we have uh, playing a, a element master, one of the fabled Joys of Dragondale. The element master, Wendell Woolbeard, is being portrayed by Dickie. Yes. Hello, travelers. And then we have a, a mostly silent NPC under my control named Silas Seeker. He's a Saddle Specialist, 11th level. Um, we keep forgetting about him all the time because he doesn't speak much. But uh, uh, You keep forgetting about him. I, I see him. I know about him. I'm aware of him. He's just in the shadows, but uh, you can't put one on over on me. I, I know he's there. Well, I hope I do remember that he is there more often because, however, he is only there because we can't get enough players for this group. I still think we should invite Lance from Strategy Games Club because he's also in Drama Club and um, possibly Abby. But yeah, at least, uh, I wish Abby's parents didn't hate us. Well, that's just, you know... Me. They hate me. I think they like you guys. Well, that's because we're not threatening. I mean, look at you. You look like um, you know, a bad boy in a, in a movie. That's gonna steal somebody's daughter, and you got your, you know, Ramones T-shirt on. And let's not pretend you don't play up the look just a little bit. I, you remind me a lot of my brother. I know, par- at least part of you wants to be seen as bad for for dating somebody's daughter, but I'm not gonna get into the psychology of it right now. Um, but but I admire you too. Don't get me wrong. I having a friend like you has been a real. Uh, man, ever since the first time we uh. You remember that first time we all went down into the uh, tunnels underneath the uh, school back when we first met at the Strategy Games Club? That changed our lives forever. I'm sure we can imagine. We've been through a lot together. Poor Dale, man. Yeah, yeah. But we also have some more adventures we need to get through together starting now. So your heroes, after fighting some hoblins in the middle of the night, have woken up about a day's journey away from the tower town, going into the valleys where somewhere within lies the heap on the borderland where you intend to uh, uh, make your heroic way and clear them of whatever dangerous pestilence inhabits them and perhaps set yourselves up as great rulers and lords. You have, of course, heard various rumors about these lands you're traveling through. You've heard there's a strange old hermit who has a key to great treasure, if only you can answer a riddle. You have heard there's bands of wicked men who are roaming around the place. You've heard they are trying to uh, find the old palace, I'm sorry, the castle of the Amber Princess. And the castle of the Amber Princess, who was a Gelf princess, you know, she lived thousands of years, very beautiful, once ruled over these lands, but it's disappeared, and no one knows uh, where her castle went to. And so somewhere in this mysterious forest is that, or at least the wicked men who are roaming around think they are. The wicked men have been known to hang at corpses and trees of people who disagree with them. I certainly hope you don't run into any wicked men. But if you do, maybe you will dispatch them as handily as you dispatched the hoblins who attacked you in the middle of the night last night. I can't remember, are either of you wounded from the hoblin attack? Yeah. I, I have a minor... Uh, uh, I am very minorly hurt. I have power to heal myself with the light of vitality and uh, uh, 
Do you seek uh, healing? You're talking to you're talking to me. Yes, I'm talking to yeah. you. Yeah, he's wanting to know if you lost any hit points in that last fight. I did, yeah, but um, I mean, not not a lot or anything. I mean, I, I've got like most of them. Okay. I have like ninety four out of the hundred and ten. Oh God, he got that. I don't have even. Yes, well, that's that because you, not- because you're not a you're not a pugilist. You, you wanted to be an element master. No, but I'm tough. He's real he's, tough. He's trained his body to a, uh, you know, well, perfection almost. And he you should haven't. be. He should be giving me some of his hit points. Well, I don't think either of you are so far down that you might want to waste a spell or anything yet. Um, you don't forget, you also both have a couple of minor healing potions. Um, so that can will instantly restore uh, twenty-five HP to you if you need it. But now. We should have got something from sleeping and uh, healing overnight. No, because there was a terrible encounter during the night that robbed you of your sleep. And if you don't like it, call a rules lawyer. We need to get started with the game. Okay? Well, I, I okay, but I am going to have, get the cordless phone right here. <laughs> and uh, I know that uh, Harry Flynstein just... Uh, short call away well as much as I don't like dealing with the man I feel fairly confident in ruling that uh, during a night in which there is encounter no meaningful rest can be had therefore you are not well rested but that you also still have quite a few hit points so I don't feel very sorry for you so we're gonna go ahead and continue however I imagine you get started very early because when you sleep outside you know you generally will wake up with the crack of dawn and Continuing on the path to the southeast, you enter into the mist-shrouded valley, and in the morning the mist is even heavier, and it obscures visibility, but you can still see for 50 or 60 yards in front of you. The forest becomes uh, fuller at this point. You've been traveling through an area of sparse trees and barren hills, but as you come down into the valley, the forest begins to predominate. And you lose sight of the track up ahead as it seems to plunge down into some trees. And as you plunge down into the trees, following the path, as it beats off down into the valley, (laughs) there is a fork in the road suddenly. You didn't expect a fork in the road. One unexpected fork! One fork seems to continue more or less on in more or less the same direction you are going. The other one veers off sharply towards the south. You cannot see because you know too far to the south beyond 50 or 60 yards due to the misty conditions. But in the mud around the uh, the crossroads here, you do see that there are some bare human footprints in the mud heading off down that southern path. Bear humans? Bear footprints, yes. Like someone with bare feet. Bare feet? Yes. But I'm afraid it would take great wisdom to be able to ascertain much more. Can you make a wisdom roll, Dickie? You would need a roll higher than a 10. Please add your wisdom bonus. I should be the one rolling wisdom. I'm wise. I'm Wendell Woolbeard. I'm going to roll it. That's why I said Dickie. But well, I sort of said Wendell. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you said. Ch- I must have just imagined that you said uh, chip. Because uh, I'm the one that's interesting uh, that you wise. imagined that. But. <laughs> Better not. Uh, okay, so uh, I rolled a two. Well, you're not very wise after all, are you? You don't notice anything. I spend a luck. Well. <laughs> Of the, using my luck stone. Well, it is the next day, so you can do it, but that's it for the day. You've wasted it right after breakfast. Well, you're not wasting it. You could gain valuable insights from this. I'm just saying that right now what you can tell is that there are bare human footprints who are going down the southern path. I rolled a two again. Well, I don't think luck is with you. Well, I mean, I, I don't have a great wisdom, but I could try it. Sure. Why don't you give it a thought? You better not make it. You better not. You see that he's been peering at the footprints, trying to gather you're, some. You're not more wise than me. Well, on this occasion, I rolled a twelve. Well, apparently, he is more wise than you on this particular occasion. You're cheating. Well, what you notice is that not only are there bare footprints, but also like um, a little holes in the ground that go with the footprints. At first, they look relatively innocuous, but you realize it's an old. It's probably an old man walking with a walking stick of some sort. Who have gone off down the southern path here? All right, um, I'm, I'm gonna try something here. <clears throat> Mike Tyson thinks we should follow this path, and perhaps this is the is the old man with a riddle we've heard about. Hey, that's pretty good. You know, role playing, I like that. Yeah. You think they like that? Yeah, thanks. It's man. Really great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it sounds a little bit too wise to me, but. Maybe put a little uh, grit into it, because you're a, a pugilist. Oh, a little. Uh, oh, oh, I, could, I could do it like this. I could be a pugilist or with a with an accent of some kind. That's actually quite nice as well. It's scary. You're scaring me now. Well, don't be scared. I already told you we leave the nightlight on tonight when we watch the thing. John Carpenter is the thing, not the Howard Hawks. You're you gonna, you gonna call your mom? No, I don't want to call my mom. I mean, she might like she might offer to come over and like rub your back, make you feel less scared of my awesome character. No, I'm I, I'm just, gonna cast a spell on you. All right, well, all right, gentlemen, we're not gonna get involved in any player versus player uh, activities right now. We just need to get moving on with the game. But uh, would you like to follow these uh, seemingly an old man's footprints off on the southern path? Mike um, Dyson sure wants to, yeah. I don't know if it... Uh, 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 um, I... Yes, uh, uh, let's uh, uh, follow these uh, tracks. I should use my own staff, the staff of walking that aids me with plus one and walking. Well, there's someone else who actually must need help walking, but as you go down the southern path, it's not much of a path, but more of a game trail, and you do occasionally see these muddy, these footprints in the mud. The person is not taking great care to uh, hide them. But soon up ahead, there's a clearing in the woods, and you can see that there's a small garden patch of some turnips and corn uh, outside of uh, a round hut, like a sort, of a sort of an Iron Age roundhouse with a great thatched roof. And sitting out before it, carving a stick of wood is a very, very old man. A man so wrinkled by the sun they look like a little brown raisin. 
and yet he has bright blue eyes peering out from his face. He has long, wispy hair that falls down all the way to the middle of his back. And he says, as you walk in the clearing, and he sees you, he says, Ah, greetings, young ones. Ah, greetings. You might be old, but compared to me, you are very young, he says. Oi, stranger. Are these your neeps here? I love your accent, by the way. Um, is these my what? Neeps, mate. Neeps. Neeps? Bloody turnips, mate. Oh, really? I'm not familiar with that. No, uh, these are my turnips, yes. I, I grow the turnips to subsist upon, waiting for the ones who will someday come and claim the key to the great treasure. Right, well, uh, I'd like a great treasure, but first I'd like a neep, if I might. I would be a terrible host if I did not allow some neeps for my guests. Please, tweak a neep out of the ground and take a bite of it. I'll tweak a neep right out of the ground and eat it like an apple. All right. My mom's going to want to know what uh, tweaking neeps means. I can't think of any reason why your mother needs to listen to one of our cassette uh, podcasts. She'll she'll find it somehow and she'll listen to it. We have to listen to it together. Well, later and, on, we'll we record this um, and um, we'll do a, a, a Bible study. Chip, yes. you don't have to do that with us. Anyway, let's let's not worry about your mother right now. We spend a lot of too much time talking about Dickie's mom and uh, <laughs> less time talking about the game. So. Um, where were we? I'm sorry. Oh, yes. You were speaking to the old hermit. Could this be? He's mentioned having keys, uh, the key to a great treasure. Could this be the hermit of whom rumor has spoken? I mate. Are you the hermit of whom rumor has spoken? It could be, for uh, many rumors have gotten around about me. For it is well known that not only do I eschew normal society, but I carry with me the key to a great and powerful treasure. Oh, yes, but I will not give it to just anyone, but only one who has proved his worth. Now, I'm not the sort to just, uh, come over here and stab you and take it off you, but I'm surprised someone hasn't tried it. No one knows exactly precisely where it is, and unless you know exactly precisely where it is, you could never beat it out of me. You stick it up your arse, didn't you? Chip. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just getting into it. No uh, way. You, you're possessed. I think, uh, just uh, in a little aside, Plunger, I think Chip uh, is a, there, uh, one of his past lives uh, has uh, crept back in because, uh, uh, well, that's, it, he's freaking me out a little bit. It's how it's good just, he is. Uh, it's very convincing. Like, well, we would not have expected that he has, uh, you know, had a lot of ninja training either, but he turned out to. Some people just are naturals with accents. It just comes from watching a lot of late night television, things like that. Old Oliver, Oliver Reed movies, especially. So you, That's Plunger, are denying the uh, theory that uh, <laughs> that he was possessed by uh, an Englishman in favor of uh, um, some sort of scientific explanation. Is that what I understand? No, I think that what's happening here is that Chip happens to be fairly good at English accents and that uh, 
it's bothering you for some reason. And I, I can't imagine what that reason would be. Well, it's just a little unnerving is all. Well, I mean, I, to be fair, like, I, I totally, like, cribbed it off uh, um, that the dude on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well, there you go. Mystery solved. Okay. Oh, Not everything. I don't, it's a mystery to me. I've never seen the show because I can't watch it. There's just too much smooching. I'm Robert Legion. Welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well, I'll tell you really what... Uh, Never mind. Let's not even get into another lot. Let's continue on speaking to. Yes, but I will only. I will only give it to someone who is worthy. I deem myself worthy. To prove that you are worthy, you must answer three riddles. Three? The, the, the trog just told us about one. The trog could not answer even the first one. Always three. Yes. Uh, uh, I am prepared to answer three riddles. Here's the first riddle. I am not alive, but I grow. I don't have lungs, but I need air. I don't have a mouth, but water kills me. What am I? Fire. I mean, I mean, fire. Hmm, who are you who is so wise in the ways of riddles? Oh, man, I was just about to say that. Uh, I'm the great and noble and wonderful pugilist Mike Tyson. I shall remember this. Then riddle me this, the great and powerful Mike Tyson. What can you catch, but you can never throw? A fish. No, you could totally, you could totally throw a fish. Don't, 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 don't that's terrible. I yeah. didn't let him finish. Was there more? Uh, no, that's the riddle. What can you catch? But you can never throw. Herpes. Uh, yeah, disease. Can you be more specific? Well, I said herpes, but I don't, I don't know if, if that's. Uh... I'll accept that. The answer was a cold, but. Herpes is close enough, I think. <laughs> well, and, but you a cold. Uh, but herpes is a better answer, even because it doesn't. Um, it actually never goes away. But you got, get over a cold, so you kind of throw it. You know what I'm saying? You can't really sneeze herpes. Well, I guess maybe you sort of could. Well, I, mean, I, I don't even know wanna... a thing about herpes, and I just would rather you guys not explain it to me except later. Maybe what it, what's it all about? Yeah, you don't want to know, dude. You must answer the final riddle says the old hermit in the woods. Two fathers and two sons went fishing one day. They were there the whole day and only I caught told, three fish. I one knew fish was involved. Okay, go ahead. Go on. One father said, those three fish are enough for all of us. We will have one each. How can Je- this be possible? Jesus, for he um st- Shall eat of. I. Uh, I know we, not who this Jesus is of whom you speak. Oh, what? Can you say that riddle again? Two fathers and two sons went fishing one day. They were there the whole day and only caught three fish. One father said, That is enough for all of us. We will have one each. 
But how can this be possible? Oh, yeah, right. It's because uh, it's a dad and a son and a grandson. <gasps> you are yeah. the wisest of all pugilists. Uh, you sure it wasn't like a mutant uh, <laughs> that was part of the other one that came, like that movie uh, where he's got the guy that's the little baby mutant that's on a guy's um, stomach uh, that's part of him? Or, uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. You win. They're from Bullfinch's Book of Riddles for Young People, by the way. So, uh, check out my local library uh, and incorporate them into the module. Therefore, I finally found someone who will have, have this key to great treasure. There's only one problem. And he goes back into his hut and he bangs around inside his hut and he comes back out with this ornate old key. It's coppery. It's coppery, but it's sort of getting a little greenish with age as well. But it's large, like a foot long. This key clearly goes to some very large and old place. Perhaps it is the castle Amber's key. Perhaps it is the key to the heap on the borderlands. Perhaps it's something else. I know not what it is, but I give it to you. Oh, wise, of a wise and mighty pugilist. Yeah, go and take it. Right, Mike Tyson accepts your key, but you don't know what it goes to. I know much, but I do not know everything. I surmise that it will, that it opens a very large lock, and someone has lost it in this forest. I found it long ago as I wandered around making footprints in the mud. Right, well, uh, hopefully it goes to the key, the heap, because uh, that's where we're going. Um, but we'll see. Then you must be very bold, warriors. Indeed. Indeed we are. Once you go to the heap on the borderlands, do not return. Well, with that, he, uh, he, he, he retires, he waves you off and retires to a quick meal of neeps. Um, he tweaks some neeps out of the ground and, uh, boils them and, uh, eats his neeps and sends you on your way because he is a strange and odd old hermit. And having finally given away the key, he feels a little bit anticlimactic about his life and he's thinking out, you know, new reasons for existence now. Now that he's, uh, part in our story has been completed. I wonder what will become of the old hermit. We'll find out someday, maybe. Anyway, would you like to go follow the path back to the main road, or do you think that you're clever and that you can cut through, uh, cut through the fields and perhaps meet up with the path a little bit further on to the southeast and can take a clever shortcut? Would you like to go back from whence you came or attempt to take a clever shortcut? What do you think? Wendell. Well, uh, I know there are dangerous things in the woods, but since I am a man of nature, I say we uh, shan't uh, worry about such things and shall journey forth through this woods. Uh, and let's begin our journey now. Well, very well. You think if you swing your way up to the uh, the north, that uh, 
since that that road uh, was forking off in a branch from due south to uh, southeast, that if you just uh, swing back up to the north, you'll eventually hit that southeast branch. You go off through some of the turnip and cornfields, and then deep into the heavier woods, where there's a great deal of uh, kudzu-like undergrowth here, as well as thick, cloying vines and little brambles. And uh, the mist has lifted somewhat throughout the day, but there's not much sunlight gets in here into the very dark recesses of the forest. Now, if one of you would not mind rolling a d6 for me, that is the cube-sided dice, uh, if you roll a 6, that means there's a terrible random encounter that occurs here in the forest. I rolled a 6. There is a terrible screaming sound from up ahead of you. At first, you think it's just one person screaming, but then you realize it's two people screaming. But it's not even a person. This screaming is much too loud. It sounds like the cross between an elephant's scream and a gorilla's scream. And bounding down out of the trees above you, smashing branches as it lands, is a huge white-furred two-headed monster. It is the dreaded two-headed giant known as the Yetin. And the Yetin, who knows no reason, is mad with hunger as he has come down out of the cold northern hills seeking easy prey, and it looks like he has finally found it. So please, roll initiative out of a d6. Only one of you need to roll it for your side. I've rolled a three for the great two-headed Yetin. Yeah, uh, go ahead and roll, Chip. You might... You're better at this than me. If I did not mention it before, the Yetin has two heads, and he covers white fur, and he's about nine feet tall and has terrible claws. Uh, I rolled a three as well. Well, ties go to the players, as we have established, and therefore, you may make your attack. Keep in mind the crowded woodland conditions. Um, heavy, you know, undergrowth on the floor, not a lot of rooms of swing huge blades. I'll leave all this to your advantage or disadvantage as you see fit to employ it, but go ahead. And the pugilist, of course, will go first. Um, I don't specifically remember saying this, but I assume that I would have collected my throwing axes. Um, oh, yes. We can always assume such simple things. Okay. And is he, is he close enough to hit with the broadsword, or would I have to oh, You could easily charge up and you would have to move, yes. Wendell, do you plan on using one of the area effect spells again? Uh, I have other um, spells I can use that shan't affect you. Meanwhile, it roars at you. Worry not. Belligerently. Well, I'm going to uh, rush in and uh, swing my broadsword at it. That's very heroic, and I approve the effort. Its armor class is 16, due to its thick hide, but luckily it's not as high as your armor class. It's also quite large, which makes him easier to hit. Uh, that'll be a 22. 22 will certainly hit him. We'll see how many hit points of damage you can do to him. Uh, just 10. Okay, well, every little bit helps. And so, in the next moment, Silas Seeker, our Saddle Specialist, will attempt to creep off into the darkness of the trees behind him to set up a backstab for later. He will be occupied. Looks like he will be successful doing that, but during this entire round, he will be setting that up. And so, moving on to, in the order of initiative, 
we come to Wendell Wolbeard once again. What are you doing, Wendell? Ah, Heatwave is cast upon you, foul beast. Okay, and... (sighs) Okay. Now, I think I'm going to let the consequences go where they may. Um, There's a good chance for... As the flames erupt from your fingertips, this is a good chance for Mike Tyson to make a save versus uh, the number 10, of course, because this uh, spell attacks multiple targets and is flying out towards both of you. Oops, I didn't uh, know that. Dickie, you need to read that fine print a little more carefully, Dickie, for one who claims to be such an expert. Well, my glasses are fogged up. Let's not blame the glasses. Well, this is this is how I uh, oh, well, shit. loan you my hit oh, points. I mean, darn. What? This is, this is how this is how I loan you my hit points, like by being your bullet oh. punch. Uh, well, uh, luckily for you, uh, I only got f- four damage. Did, did, did you make a saving throw? I succeeded. Yes. Oh, good. You don't take that four damage, but you do four damage at least to the uh, to the Yetin. All right, and so the Yetin now, quite angry, take, he lost the initiative, and he will attempt his uh, his claw claw bite bite attack routine. And uh, he, of course, the closest person to him is uh, Mike Tyson. And so he first attempts to claw Mike, uh, but he gets an 18, which is not quite good enough to hit Mike. And he tries to bite him, and he also does all that 18 again, which is still not good enough. At this point, he bounds forward away from Mike and tries to grab um, uh, Wendell Woolbeard, and he rolls a 12 and misses, and then he tries to bite him, and he rolls a 9 and misses. And we did get that one hit on you. Nope, those those were both... They both missed uh, Mike Tyson as well. Uh, However, Silas will not be able to do his backstab since the creature moved. He'll have to move himself again, but we are now at the top of the next round, so let's roll initiative, and I have a four here for the Yetin. You want me to do it again, or you got it, Dickie? Go ahead. Oh, I only got a three. Well, I'm afraid the Yetin will go first, and it, uh, grabs... Can I, can I be allowed to re-roll? Because, like, I, I kind of just picked it up and dropped it back on the same three that I rolled last time. Yes, if you think you can be a four, you may spend a luck. There's only one or, or three on a D6, so of course uh, it's the same three. Well, I know, but it didn't even roll. I mean, I just picked it up and kind of dropped it back where it was, so I, I think I should do a proper roll, like you were showing me before, where you just, like, shake it all around and then drop it. But then I got a one, so I made it even worse. Made it even worse for yourself. Well, that's the way it works sometimes. Well, then we resort back to... We revert back to your original no, roll. That's not the way it works, unfortunately. <laughs> um... But well, who, uh, um, <clears throat> you anyway, see what it was a, the bottom line is, uh, because time is not going to, uh, go backwards, I'm afraid that you, uh, Wendell Woolbeard, are hit with one of the claws, uh, for six points of damage, and then you are also hit again, this time with the 19, with a bite for eight points of damage. Please just add well, up. How much? Did you say all together? 
Well, I don't remember altogether. He rolled some damage, as I told you, and then he rolled eight more after six, that. Six plus eight, so 14 six altogether. Oh. 14 damage altogether from the thing. And uh, then, of course, he cannot reach directly anybody else without moving. He's not going to move again. So, you know what? Just to be a dick, he's going to use his other claw attack on you, but he misses window and gets a 15. And he tries to bite you, but he gets a two. And so, um, it is now the turn of your party, and uh, pugilists go first. Uh, that'll be a 22 again. That certainly hit him. For 12. Well, that's the kind of damage more like in the range of what we want to be doing. And then... Leaping out of the trees with a backstab, which will succeed, comes our good friend Silas Seeker, who will double that damage. No, he'll quadruple it. So there will be 28 points of damage further. So you all have done 54 points of damage to the great, terrible, two-headed Yetin so far, and then it is Wendell Woolbeard's turn. What do you do, my friend? Now I shall cast Call of the Wild, and I summon a wolverine. A terrible wolverine rips out of the ground, uh, attacks them with his mighty claws. It has two attacks per round. Um, and the claw Wolverines claw don't... Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Well, this is a magically summoned Wolverine. The first Wolverine... The first of the two Wolverine strikes, though, actually hits for 11 points of damage. Which yeah. is quite substantial. It's 65 points of damage to the thing so far. And, uh... And then we are on a new initiative roll. So, I have just rolled a three again for the Yetin. I shall roll this time, and I got it too. Well, I'm afraid that Yetin will go first. And this time, uh, it uh, will do one of his claws and bites on Silas. And I'm afraid he will hit Silas this time. And he'll do 10 points of damage to Silas. And then he will also try to claw and bite Wendell, who he... No, because... Uh, I think he sees uh, Mike Tyson as a bigger threat who's just come in, but he did miss with that person. Over the Wolverine as well. And uh, yes, but he actually misses both attacks on that second time. And so that's where we're left with him. And we're going to move on to uh, Mike Tyson, our pugilist, who is here and willing and swinging that sword. He hits uh, for 14 points. Well, 14 points of damage. We take this up to 79 points of damage that you have done to the terrible Yetin. Can you do more points of damage to him? Can you kill him? We do not know. And it is uh, now Silas's turn, and he'll just make a normal attack, but he misses and rolls a three. What do you do, Wendell? Now you shall taste steel. I... I strike with my plus two Vorpal Sword of Chaos. And I got a 19 to hit. 19 is going to do a trick. 
and for damage is T8 plus 3, I roll 5. <laughs> 84 hit points of damage. You're Soon done. you will perish. No, it's perished. It's perished already. It's perished now because it had 80 hit points. I have vanquished you. And so it's a great two-headed yet and falls to the ground, crumpling first to its knees and then slumping over. Unfortunately, it's a dumb beast and it carries no treasure with it. But it certainly... It's not the kind of thing you want to find wandering around in the forest, but this is what happens when we go off the path and trape through the forest. However, you'll be happy to know that not long after that, you do come across the southeastern road again. And uh, you can pick up your trail and continue on where you left off. And after not too much longer, though, perhaps another hour's walking through the forest. But of course, this road, as I say, is very broken and old and... Uh, easy to stumble upon and it's uh, overgrown with large tufts of grass coming up through it and the forest is fairly close by the road but soon you come to yet another fork in the road where the main path seems to twist off a little bit to the northeast as if it's moving in some great zigzag shape through the valley that would maybe only be apparent if you looked at from above perhaps but here right at the crossroads a great silvery blue lake with crystal clear waters and there's a path running off to the north a very fine road well at least it was fine in ancient times much finer than the main path that you've been walking on for it looks like a pathway of purple brick of course now fallen into much terrible disrepair and every now and then the purple bricks are mixed in with blank spots bricks that have been purposely removed in the pattern. So I, you're not sure about that, but certain kinds of bricks must have been valuable because they've all been taken away long ago. That path leads off to the north on the other side of this crystal blue lake. And there's a sign here as well. And finally, that sign which is by the lake and this is on the path that leads off to the north, the purple path. Um, the sign warns people off the path. It says, Death awaits very simple. On the path to the north, the purple path. And here is a crystal clear lake, which you may or may not have heard any some rumors about. And I will leave you now to that classic decision that awaits all adventurers and dungeoneers. Which way do you go? North along the purple brick road, or northeast along the main path? Or do you stop and investigate the lake? I want to look into the crystal uh, waters and see what lies at the bottom. As you lean over the waters, you are surprised by a merman who jumps up out of the water and grabs your throat. <laughs> and the merman, of course, he is not the bottom half of a fish and the top half of a person, but the opposite. He has the whole top body and head of a fish, and he has arms and legs like a person. And he comes leaping up out of the water, strangling at you with his hands, and gets a 19 oh, oh, oh. hits you, and does seven points of damage to you. And oh, man. then he ducks back into the water and swims away. Do you still want to try to see if there's a treasure in the water? 
knowing that there are mermen infesting the the pool. Uh, mm, let the mermen be for now. Uh, I say we continue on way. Uh, we which path to the north do you think wise to take? Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure which one would be towards the heap and which one. I, mean, I assume one goes to the heap and one goes to the palace. Yeah, I mean that seems to make sense. The so-called castle of the Amber Princess, you mean? Yeah. Yes, I think you're probably right. I think you are probably right. I mean, either I... one would be a fine place to go, probably. Well, uh, I think, uh, the one that says, uh, death awaits is, uh, an invitation to, to challenge that. I will point out that the sign actually does not look, it's not like some ancient carved sign. It looks like it was made fairly recently by someone with fairly poor penmanship. As if to warn you off the purple brick road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In defiance, we shall stride upon this road. Well, if that sounds all right to the other members of the party, then we shall continue north along the sad remnants of the purple brick road. And you begin to wonder as you walk by, and it tells you like every fourth or fifth brick has been removed. That if maybe in ancient days, those other bricks were not made of amber itself. You see, that would have made a really lovely pattern uh, in the color. However, you travel past the lake, leaving whatever treasure may be within the lake to the tender mercies of the mermen. Hope that, uh, I'm really surprised that you didn't uh, go investigate the culture of the mermen there, Dickie, since you've always been so fascinated with them. I bet you need to be a merman. I thought it was the other... I thought they had uh, uh, fish feet and legs. You're thinking of mermaids. Mermen are very different. It's the ultimate curse of that race. That's why mermaids are always going after human men, because, you know, the whole top half is so repulsive of the fish. But never mind. Moving on to the north, along this old remnant of this purple brick road, You come upon a corpse hanging from a tree. You've seen this sort of thing before. In our last episode, you'll remember the pie-selling woman was selling pies beneath the tree. And do you remember who she said was hanging the corpses in the tree? Uh, the, 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 that, the, the The, bad bad people in the woods or whatever. The the baddies, the, 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 uh... The wicked men who were... Yeah, wicked wicked. Seeking out the, the palace. But there's a sign, a placard hanging around this corpse's neck, and it says... He couldn't read. And... <laughs> Loser. Traveling on and coming up around a bend, you come down to where you'll be having to go up a ridge. The road goes over a hill at this point. And when it comes down, it's fairly steep. And you see that someone has built a little footbridge to go over a little ravine. It's maybe about 12 feet deep or so. But it's uh, uh, full with some brambles and a little bit of running water. And... Uh, as you're crossing over the ravine, it shakes, it shakes very violently underneath you. And uh, you look down and you see this terrible jelly-like substance oozing up on either side of the footbridge, reaching out 
to batter you with huge pseudopods. This must be the horrifying, the terrible ogre jelly that you have been warned about. Do you wish to stay and fight or do you attempt to run away? For now is your only chance to run away, and even that is not guaranteed. Well, will you be brave and fight the ogre jelly? I don't know about this. I think we should run away. What about you, what about you uh, Mike Tyson? Do you run from the ogre jelly? It seems <clears throat> to offer you a great challenge with his huge pseudopod-like fists. Well, too I mean, scary. you've been you've been playing this game a lot longer than I have, Dickies. And if you want to run away, that uh, I, I, I that's... yeah, yeah, I want to run away. All right, then both of you, please make saves. You will save versus pseudopod, please. You will need a ten. I'm sorry, I did the rules wrong there. You won't save versus the ten. What you'll be saving is versus his attack rolls. So you might not have to save at all. But, uh, well, uh, I'm happy to announce that, uh, that, uh, Mike Tyson gets away clean hands. Doesn't even need to make the save, but, uh, I do believe that Wendell Woolbeard will have to make the save. Did you make the save, Wendell? Yes. Well, that's lucky for you, otherwise, you would have been grabbed. And so it's a great roar of frustration. Ooh. Sounds like a great bellow of air being forced out of pore than its body. The ogre jelly climbs up out of the ravine to follow you, but you realize that if we were playing on a tabletop with miniatures, um, it would only be able to move about four inches every turn. Meanwhile, you could run about 18 inches, so it's not catching up with you. That's why I wanted to run, because I just wanted to show it how slow it is and how fast we are. Well, perhaps if you come back this way, you might want to find some alternate way around, however. But there only seems to be one way across that ravine, and it is guarded by the ogre jelly. However, you don't have much more time to think about that, because up ahead, in the distance, through the trees, there are shafts of sunlight shining on a beautiful yellowish orange color and you see is this the, the color is shining from the turrets on the top of a, a very small scale almost fairy tale castle with two turrets of amber it's just a two-story castle but there this whole the front portcullis has been thrown open burst open in fact it is broken with many pieces lying about and can you hear loud laughter of boisterous men coming from inside and there are a few men lounging about on the grass in front of the castle. And it seems a rather sad state of affairs. Thus far, the men lounging about in front of the castle have not noticed you. One of them seems like he's been drinking rather heavily and is staggering off to find a place to pee. Two others are playing a dice game on the grass. Um, on the little purple, sitting on the grass and rolling dice on the little purple cobbles of the purple brick road. This is what you see before you. Not perhaps what you expected from the strange castle of the Amber Princess, where this Gelf princess supposedly lived in ancient times. Again, like I say, those men have not seen you yet. What do you do? Uh, I say we confidently stride up to them and uh, demand that they announce their names to us. And I shall do that now. Well, don't, I, don't, don't you think these are the wicked, the wicked men, right? 
Well, we'll see who, how, who, we'll see who's better than I'll go. I'm just got so much fluff in me right now. <laughs> you approach, uh, as I say, the doorway, the portcullis of the, the palace, the castle, has been broken open long ago. And inside, who knows what's inside, because I've said there are three men lounging around on the lawn. If you approach boldly, they stand up and stagger up. One of them hollers and uh, to some men inside the castle. And you see a man in silver armor comes and he's standing in the doorway of the castle. And behind him is a man in bronze-colored armor. And behind him is a man in gold-colored armor. And there must be about a dozen of these other men, but those three men look like the leaders, and they're the ones who have been called to the door of this castle of the Amber Princess. As you are boldly approaching and saying what? Greetings, I am Wendell Woolbeard, a druid of Dragondale. And who is And who might you be? First I will you are coming here, so I will ask the questions, says the one in silver. Who is your friend who strides so boldly beside you? I'm the famed pugilist, Mike Tyson. Well, you can't be that famed because I've never heard of you, says the one guy. But you know, I think I might be growing out of my list because sometimes when I'm role-playing a character, I start to lose it. So you never know. I mean, they said I would grow out of it eventually. We'll see. But uh, now I am Sir Ocelot, says he. This is my brother, Sir Puma. And my other brother, Sir Lynx. And we have come here, and we have taken this castle of the Amber Princess. Me and all of our men. And we're not going to leave here until she agrees to marry one of us. So you are not wanted here, and you can kindly piss off, says Sir Ocelot. Oh. Well, they sound like a bunch of pussies to me. Chill. Well, I, I meant like a cat. You know, because they're all named after cats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You pussies. <laughs> well, I didn't say you're, it out. Don't say it out loud. You're almost like you're not bitches because those are female dogs, but you're pussies. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I found a loophole, so I can say that. <laughs> I don't understand your modern-day slang. Uh... You three are, uh, shall be, um, made to perish at once. Now I cast a spell on you. Okay, well, as you raise up your arms to cast a spell, let us please go ahead and roll for initiative. Now, you're not inside the castle. You're still outside the front of the castle, so you have no idea what's in there, how many more men are in there, but... Let's go ahead and roll for initiative and for... Oh, I've got a six over here for the Wicked Man. Oh, five. Okay. Crap. Okay, well, I'm afraid the Wicked Man will go first. And when they see you beginning to cast a spell, then the Wicked Man launch arrows. I had them surprised I should get a surprise roll. No one, they weren't expecting me to suddenly cast a spell. I've got Larry, I mean, uh, Larry Feinstein's number. Just test me. <laughs> you really think, though, that during a by, by, you know, your spell has uh, verbal, somatic, 
uh, and, and it has components. It's just not the kind yes. of thing that can be. P- plus, I announce it ahead of time, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that's just the old ways. That's gentleman uh, combat, but uh, they're scared. They wouldn't. Well, they're certainly not gentlemen. And as I was about to say, two arrows are launched from the battlements, but I just rolled the official oh. energy 20. So, uh, well, the first one misses you, lands at your feet. So the other one. Uh, Dicky, and then uh, Sir Ocelot, Sir Puma, and Sir Lynx just say to the other men, Go get them! And uh, three of the men charge each of you. And oh no, a 19 does hit uh, Mike Tyson, who will take. Look, luckily for him, only seven points of damage. And then the other will miss him, and then the third attack will get a four and miss. And then on Wendell Woolbeard, one comes in and strikes him with a 17. And he will... Oh, my goodness. That is going to be 11 points of damage. The second one misses with an eight, and the other one misses with a seven. Meanwhile, Sir Ocelot and Sir Puma and Sir Lynx are merely laughing smugly from their safe place in the broken portcullis of the castle as their men do their dirty work. And it is now your turn. What do you do, uh, Mr. Pugilist? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to do him good with the broadsword. Although although it is kind of tempting to just run up and take on the pussies, but I'm not going to do that just yet. Alright, who are you running through? The ones who are The three who are fighting you? The three who are fighting you right now? Is that who you're attacking? Yeah, just like one of them at random. Right. All right, here we go. Um, so that's going to be a 26 to hit. Oh, that certainly hits him. His armor class is 17, and they are fairly well armored, but that hits him. For 13 points. Okay. And... What did you say that armor class was? 17. 17 okay. is their armor class. Now, meanwhile, um, Silas... Makes an attack with his scimitar, but he misses. He only gets a four. And how about Wendell Woolbeard? What are you doing? Do we finally cast that spell? Yes. Well, no. I shall drink of a minor potion of healing. All right. Well, and I shall gain 25 hit points. That's right. You will regain them quickly. That is, of course, all you can do on this turn, but it is a wise thing to do. However, there's still many people around you. Maybe you can get the initiative on this turn, though. Oh, I just rolled a six again, though, guys. If you can roll a six, then maybe... Good luck, dude. Ha! Luck is with me. A six has been... Oh, well, look at that. Well, you got win ties, and so maybe you can press forward the advantage that you just acted. You can act again. Of course, all of these... these, uh, each of you is still surrounded by three of them, three of the lower rank and file fellows. Meanwhile, Sir Ocelot and Sir Puma and Sir Lynx are still mocking you and laughing at you uh, from the portcullis about 30 yards away. Um, so, you guys have the initiative, and Mike Tyson, the pugilist, what do you do? Uh, I'm just going to hit the guy, swing at the guy that I hit last time. Go right ahead. You've already done 13 points of damage to him. And that will be a 19. That certainly hits him. Ooh, that's going to be... That ex- explodes. Oh, exploding oh my guys. gosh, does it keep exploding if I yes, get another... You're the exploder. Holy shit. 
Okay, that's gonna be... Uh... 29 points. That's enough to kill him, and because you are also a cleaver, you may make an immediate free attack upon one of the other two guys who is on you. Alright, so I'm going to swing at the second one, and that'll be a 25. Well, that's enough to hit him. That is only for 10, however. Okay, 10 points of damage to him. And uh, now Silas, meanwhile, uh, dealing with his own, and... He uh, misses again, because he's uh, not very good today. I hate to say it, because he's my guy, but... Anyway, um, Wendell, what do you do? Now that you've had your health potion. Uh, how many people are on me? There's three of them, all bashing and smashing at you, and stabbing at you with their swords. Mm. They're large bullies in brigantine armor. This sounds like a job for binding brambles. That's a good idea. And summon vines to entangle them. Targets. So more than one. Yes, and they do not get a save. They're not high enough level NPCs. And so... Uh, by, by, binding brambles erupt out of the ground and totally neutralize the three who are fighting you as they cry out, stabbed with the little thorns that are in the brambles and make things worse, scratching themselves as they struggle to get out. And those three have been utterly immobilized for the moment. And that is as good a turn as any. But now the other side gets to go. And there were still some by uh, Silas. And one of them, uh oh, one of them going to hit poor Silas. Silas takes only four points of damage. The other one hits him too. Silas is very unlucky, and he takes, well, that's odd, another four points of damage. But then there's a loud whistle from the Portcullis, and the, the, remainder, the remainder of these uh, assailants are called off. And Sir Ocelot and Sir Puma and Sir Lynx slowly step forward. Well, says Sir Ocelot, we see how you have done against our rank and file, our minions. Now you will see how well you fare against three real heroes. Three real men. It'll be one of us who marries this Gelf princess and becomes the ruler of these lands. Certainly not you. Now, how at you? He says. And of course, uh, it's your turn though, so uh, you may go ahead and act Mr. Pugilist. Um, okay, so just that three guys. Uh, that'll be, uh, it's only a 16. I don't know if that's going to They have 17 armor class as well. Their dexterity is somewhat less. Their armor is somewhat heavier. Uh, yes, and they, of course, they each have different colored armor. Sir Ocelot is distinguished by his silver armor. Sir Puma by his bronze armor. And Sir Lynx by his golden armor. You know what? I'm going to spend that luck point. Well, I think that's what they're there for. Like, fuck. I mean, darn. No, I, I rolled even worse. All right. Well, that's too bad. But um, what are you doing? Oh, um, Silas, though, however, he's not going to be able to get into a backstab situation. But he does have a natural 20 that he rolls against Sir Puma. So hopefully his little sword will do some sort of thing. Oh, he rolled a six. I wish he could explode, but he can't. But uh, that's 9 doubled is 18 against Sir Puma, which is nice. 
And then what about you, Wendell? Vorpal Sword of Chaos. And, oh, I hit. And two of a CD for three. Seven damage. All right. Well, you don't know how long you're able to fight these men. They seem at least equal in experience to you. Uh, but we will find out if the thrilling combat continues. And let's roll initiative for the next round. Oh, I have a one. So unless you also... Well, you're going to win. So even if you roll the one, no point in that. So uh, Mike Tyson, what do you do? You are locked in combat with Sir Ocelot, I believe. Yeah, and I uh, get a 26. So that's going to hit. Yeah. Sir Pearl is the only one with big damage. Go ahead, 11 please. points. 11 points of damage to Sir Ocelot. And, and uh, now the men are realize that they're fighting in earnest, and they're grunting and growling. And meanwhile, Silas, who's engaged with Sir Puma, uh, misses with a seven. And what are you doing, Wenzel? Same thing as before. Checking Sir Lynx with your plus two Vorpal Blade. And 18 will hit. And you shall take. Oh, that will be 11 damage. Okay, and in a stunning onslaught, the three brothers, as if agreeing at the same time to uh, enough is enough, all slam into you. Well, that just happens to be a 19, which is going to hit. The hardest one of you to hit, which is Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson will take nine points of damage from Sir Ocelot. Meanwhile, Sir Puma, with a vicious kick, can follow up with an upper thrust of his blade. He gets a 19 as well on his attack. Not a natural 19, but nevertheless. On... Oh, but he only rolls a one, doing a mere four points of damage to our friend Silas. And then finally, against... Against Wendell, uh, Sir Sir Lynx steps up, and altogether that's going to be a 22. And 11 points of damage to you. Now, I don't know if you guys can come up with some clever plan or what, but now it's the time, I believe, to roll initiative again. And they have a 2 this time. What do you guys get for initiative? Yeah, you can roll. Alright, I got it. Um, five. Well, you see the initiative. What do you do? And of course, as always, in around the Pugilist X first, Mike. So, your action. Uh, what? Uh, that world is seventeen. I forgot what the armor class was. It was exactly seventeen. Oh well, alrighty. They're certainly going to hit him for twelve points of damage. Okay. Now you, you've been. You've, you've been pretty successful at hitting these guys. You've done decent blocks of damage. You're hoping that with a few more solid blows, maybe it'll put these upstarts back down. Silas needs a high roll. He's got one. That's a 19. That's going to be modified up above 20 as he launches himself at Sir Puma, doing uh, 8 points of damage. So we're up in 24 points against him. And then finally, Sir Lynx with a twisted sneer on his face 
Goes up, oh my, way up into the 24 as he attacks Wendell. And... Oh, that's about the worst thing I could have rolled, which is altogether going to be a 12. And now it is your turn. Alright, so... Ocelot. Oh, that's going to be a 29 to hit. Well, hopefully you can do some damage oh. to him. Possibly. And first roll was an 8, so I will roll again, but oh. I only got a 4, so it'll be 12 plus 7, uh, 19. That'll do it. Sir Ocelot goes down with a scream. His two brothers roll for morale, but they are too enraged, and they will fight on. And Silas I will narrate as Plunger. Silas rolls and gets a 17 exactly with his bonuses. And in doing damage, he will only get a 5, however. Doing a total of 29 to Sir Puma. And then, uh, what about Wendell Woolbeard? Uh, what will he do? He's still fighting Sir Link, who has minor wounds. For now. But... Here is the addition of more wounds. And I cast Jolting Bolt once again. And here comes the Jolting Bolt. And doing a striking 3 d10 points of damage for a minimum of 15. Ooh, that's gonna be 24 damage. I'm afraid Sir Lynx, with the damage he's already taken, has been fried inside his armor from your jolting bolt of energy. And Yes. Uh, meanwhile, um, Got him. I just rolled a terrible double ones on the morale roll for Sir Puma, which is so terrible that I will allow you guys to coop to Gracie him if you would like to go ahead and hack up Sir Puma. Uh, it's actually pronounced coup de gras. Well aware of that. It's kind of an old joke I learned from this guy named Nougat. Uh, sounds like a fictional character. Oh, this plunger, for that matter. All right, so uh, we just like straight up kill the kill the last one. Yeah, the last one is so terrible, and he only had like a thread of hit points left anyway. But after the after dispatching them, you see that the hall is, is quite open before you. Perhaps the Amber Princess lies within. I search these. Uh, dead and what are there? Yeah, the dead ones. I search them. Altogether, you find 32 pieces of gold scattered yes. about their person. They, of course, have their weapons and armor and things like that, which are of no in particular interest to you. But once you've well, done that, let's go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going straight to the to the castle and looking for the Gulf Princess. Wait, you get 16 gold. Right. Uh, because I, Wendell Woolbeard is a druid and he believes in balance, so I have to split these up equally. Off to your right, there is a vast area. You don't know what it was once for, but apparently it's been where all of these uh, these suitors of the princess have been staying. It's all foul and disgusting with their bedding and so on and so forth. And off to the left they have taken over the great hall and you can see there's a long table and fireplace and there's some boxes of supplies and things like that but it looks like food stuff you know rice and oatmeal and things like that but there's also two grand staircases going up 
And if there's any princess anywhere, she's probably up in one of those towers. But uh, rushing up to uh, the top of the stairs, who was going first? I think we determined that... Uh, I think, didn't we determine that uh, Mike Tyson would have been going first here? Yeah, well, I, I was going. I like I ran, rushed into the the castle while 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 Wendell was like, uh, you know, like looking over the dudes and stuff. That's right. We're gonna say you rush up the stairs first. Now, the top of the stairs, uh, please, please make a dexterity roll. This is not a save. This is not a reaction. But it's a dexterity roll, and we need you to beat a ten. You know, uh, I got twelve. Yeah, seven or higher. Okay, two. you. Realize that you your foot at the top of the stairs trips a wire, but you drop down out of the way just as a huge axe blade swings across above you, swings back and forth a few times. You trigger, but we're able to remove a trap that someone set up at the top of the steps. And uh, are you following him up the same stairway, Wendell, or are you going up the opposite stairway? Uh, yes. But you, Silas, why don't you go up the opposite stairway? Very well. I will, says Silas for the first time. <laughs> and he goes up the other stairway to investigate. And, uh... The Suddenly there's uh. a terrible uh, a floor tile at the top of the stairway. Tilts backwards with great force. And it knocks... Silas down the stairs as he's coming up. He fails his save and falls down the steps taking seven points of damage. Oh no, the NPC was injured. And then you begin to wonder why uh, perhaps it is the Amber Princess herself setting these traps up here to keep her upper level pristine from those men who would otherwise molest her. But you can see at the top of the landing that there are two doorways across from each other. Both of them are closed and heavily locked. There's one on the left and one on the right. These must be you th the, the towers you saw from outside with the amber turrets on top. These must be the rooms on either side of the gatehouse. So, uh, I say we each take a room. Whoever enters on to the room of the princess shall marry her. It is declared. Uh, what if she doesn't want to marry you, dude? I mean, uh, <clears throat> what if she doesn't want to marry you? But it is a reward for uh, her, her freedom. We'll, f uh, we'll find out very soon. On either side of, uh, again, in the hall, there are two doors. The stairway that led the east door were trapped. Silas shakes off his wounds and comes up here, by the way, in case he needs to uh, pick a lock or something. However, you see that uh, one of the doors has a very small lock. It's such a ridiculously small and tiny keyhole that only a very small key would ever be able to fit into it. That is the doorway on your right, which would be the east. The doorway on your left, which would be the west, you see, it has a very ridiculously over-large keyhole. Like, a very large key would have to fit inside of it. Well, I'm going to try my key I got from the hammer, then. What, what size is that? It, it, it was very large, and he did say it was the key to a great treasure, didn't he? So, All right. 
Well, in that case, I think I hear that Mike Tyson opens the door. The door on the western wall with the large key and opens up. And inside you see the most beautiful gelf maiden that you have ever seen in your life. What a gelf. <laughs> and she says, Hubba hubba. I am the Amber Princess. But that, my friends, is where I'm afraid we must end up our episode. God. For the evening. We'll have to God. see what happens with the Amber Princess the next time. So I'll just have to dream about about it listen, until next time. Listen, guys, um, so let's go ahead and end the tape here. Okay. There. So um, before we go ahead and do the rest of the adventure, um, which will probably be, I mean, leaving this place hopefully with some kind of reward and uh, tackling uh, the heap of uh, the heap on the borderlands in our last adventure. But in the meantime, I'm going to go back down into the big house and make some pizza rolls because if you try to make them in the microwave that we have here, they just don't taste the same. So are you guys up for some no. pizza rolls? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they just get too soggy in the microwave, man. You got to crisp them up. Okay, yeah. and also, I was saving this for a surprise, okay? I know that I know. I said we were going to watch The Thing, but we've all seen The Thing you know, several times. I happen to have on LaserDisc a copy of John Carpenter's seminal exploitation crime drama, Assault on Precinct 13, which we're going to watch later after tonight. But in the meantime, let's take a quick break, make some pizza rolls, and then we'll get on with the rest of our uh, our Druids of Dag- Dragondale adventure, all right? All right. Yeah, it's here, here. Yeah, I, this game's really fun. I, I totally, totally see why you guys... Oh, uh, great. Well, that's great because we we uh, really do need some extra players. And if we got you and if we can get Lance from Drama Club, uh, that should really, you know, help out. Why don't you just marry Lance? I don't think I... Well, you know what? Uh, that's a really insensitive thing to say just because he's in Drama Club. <laughs> no, it's because you you just want Lance so bad. Uh, I just feel like, you know... I feel like it's a little hacky to have like an NPC ooh. character who's controlled by the Game master, I think that. Oh, now you saying it's hacky? I now believe it's hacky. When I was a younger person, I, I thought it wasn't hacky, but now I I feel like it's getting a little hacky. I'm just saying. But nevertheless, we will meet next time, and in real life, I think we will go ahead and end our our real life episode here too. Yes, we will. I suppose. Okay, well, in that case, folks, we will see you next week, and uh, we're glad you're still listening we're glad we're still here until next time all right bye everybody